Secrets of a Dance Hit with Ridney. Hey, I'm Ridney, presenter of Secrets of a Dance here. I've been a producer for 20 years, a DJ for 23 years, Cafe Mambo Ibiza resident and three times winner of the prestigious Essential New Tune Award on Pete Tong's BBC Radio 1 Essential Selection. I've had music on labels including Defected, Tool Room, Ministry of Sound, Nervous, Size, Spinning to name but a few. And what is Secrets of a Dance here? I'm having a look and a listen to some of my favourite records from my favourite producers. Records that have been underground bangers which have gone on to be huge global hits. Join me as I lift the lid on sample clearance, how records were put together and what producers thought of these records. Join me for Secrets of a Dance here. For the first guest on Secrets of a Dance Hit, we go straight for 50% of production duo Full Intention. Spreading their dominating sound for the last 15 years, they have been a pioneering force on the global dance music scene. Uh, They've had a string of successful hits as Full Intention, uh, producing such hits as I Love America, I'll Be Waiting, Spanish Hustle, Everybody Loves the Sunshine, and Sexasonics, I Thought It Was You. But today, I'm talking to Mr. Michael Gray about his hit the weekend secrets of a dance hit with ridney right welcome to the show this particular episode we're going in with one half of full intention the man like michael gray michael welcome to the show hello uh yeah nice to be on it now the record i'd like to talk about is is the weekend which was obviously a massive crossover success for you um looking through the stats earlier I'm sure you know these, but I'm going to tell the listeners anyway because they're super impressive. Uh, am I right? Number one, UK? Uh, it was number one in Poland, number seven in the UK. Number seven in the UK, but number one on all the dance charts, wasn't it? And then yeah. uh, right across Europe, it went absolutely massive. Top 10 Billboard's hot dance airplay, is that right? That sounds about right, yes. So, the beginning, how, di- how did the weekend come about? Uh, well, the weekend originally, I put the idea down um, with um, two singers, Shenna and uh, another guy called Xavier, who um, we'd actually used quite a bit on our Full Intention records, particularly for BVs okay. uh, with Xavier. Um, put just the rough melody line that I got the idea from an Oliver Cheaton record. Yeah. Um, put that down. And then when I'd finished with it, it, it was kind of good, but it wasn't. I didn't think it was good enough. And then I, I got on, I was producing this new band called Portabella. <laughs> so I got on with that and done that for the next year. And I just put the weekend idea just on the back shelf. And then when I'd finished producing this band, I went back to it. And all of a sudden, everything just fell into place, literally within about a day. Wow. Um, and the speed of it was so fast because all the ideas started to just drop into place. Um, sometimes that happens. So even though it was a year's gap, there was kind of, <laughs> you know, a one day either side of it. Um, and it, you, it's it's hard to explain, but you you kind of know you got something, but you don't you don't know exactly because you know you, you're trying to make a record that sounds slightly cool. You're trying to keep it cool, but at the same time, you want it to have a commercial appeal as well, especially with a yeah. title like the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. 
Did, did was the production kind of when you went back to it? Did you think, oh, the production needs to change, or the drums, or, or anything like that, or was, or were you still happy with how you'd left it? Uh, no, it completely changed, um, except for the chords. The only thing I'd left was some Rhodes chords in there and the vocals. That's all I, I stripped it right back to that. I hadn't put hardly anything in in, in the first place because I was so busy with this band I was producing that I really didn't have that much time to go back to it and I just thought it's good but it's not good enough I had something very rough and then when I went back I completely changed it um, and um, I, th- I can't remember what the bit was that kind of changed it I think it's when I sort of I got the uh, the riff up and then the bass line I wanted that French sounding bass line yeah. um, and loads of compression on the whole mix at the end <laughs> which yeah. is very current then uh, so it's had a French sound to it um, and that, yeah that was that was kind of mainly it but a lot of it I always find with these records is you can it can be just by changing um the drums or just even the kick drum can radically change as you know from producing yourself can mm. radically change the whole sound of a record or could just really make it bounce yeah. where before it sounds quite ploddy it's it's it could be the smallest of things that can make a record sound amazing so that you kind of went back readdressed it um, was there anything else you introduced, new elements? I, no- I noticed on the geekery of, of finding out about the record that there's bits, not necessarily sampled, but replayed bits. Is that right? Did, did, did new things kind of crop up? Yeah, there's, a, there's one bit that was replayed. Um, a lot of it, I just sat there and... Um, yeah, I'm always influenced by a lot of a lot of records, particularly '80s records, and you just get the ideas. It's just the it's just trying to get the sound something that you like, and you don't want to make it sound like anything else. Things like the bass line, um, I just put that in step by step. Wow. Um, you know, put in each each note. I got a guitarist, a bass guitarist, to come down and replay because I said, "Oh, you can get it better than I've done just by putting it step time on." And he came down um, and uh, he said. Um, Actually, I can't get it as good as that. <laughs> and he said, I'll try it. Really? Yeah, he said, yeah. James Winchester, who's sadly not with us anymore, it's Shenna's um, husband. And um, I was quite bowled over when he said that. And I, I, you know, he said, let me have a go. But, you know, there were certain things that that bass did that you couldn't necessarily do on a bass guitar. And it's just just, just one of those things. I, I can't even remember what I used. I think it was Trilogy for the sound of it. How amazing is that, though? That yeah, you try and think, oh, it could be better, and then and then an actual bassist says to you, no, I think you've got it there, mate. That's that's Bob on, is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was chuffed, you know. He said, no need to pay me because I can't get it better than that. So wow. Um, so you know, and and sometimes you think, oh, maybe there is something here. But, you know, I'm always pessimistic in in certain things. Try not to get over thinking, oh, this is that, and you know. So I know you've had a great success as Full Intention, lots of other projects. And with the records and the successes of you, ha- you that you've had, have you heard things and gone, like you say, pessimistic, but still, oh, it could be a belter. You know, how did this fall into what you've had over the years? Was it, what would you give it, a five, t- you know, nine out of ten? How did you feel at the time? Oh, right, well, it... it, it... It's quite funny. I, I would. I'd pr- well. I think. I think a nine. 
even though it sounds a bit big-headed. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit big-headed. But there's a little thing, and again, as you probably know this, um, you know when you've got something from something so simple where you have the breakdown at the beginning, let's say the, the obligatory bla- breakdown yeah. <laughs> at the beginning, and then you kick all the bass and drums in. Yeah. And, and, and if you get that hairs on the back of your neck when that kicks in and you don't have to dress it up with crashes and whooshes yeah. and effects to make it sound like, oh, this is going to take off, and it just, it just kicks in and you get that good feeling, you know you've got something. Yeah. And I felt I had that, and that was the moment. I know exactly what you mean when you when you're like everything kicks in, and you're like, I don't need to put anything else in that mix. This thing is cooked yeah. perfectly. And if you listen to Weekend, there's no crashes on there. I, I thought I'm going to make this minimal wow. as possible. I'd not notice that, but you know, straight after this conversation, I'm going to have a listen. There's no white noise, um, nothing uh, like that. So it's doing it all all itself. Yeah, I mean, my blueprint for when I set out to put that together I wanted it to have the simplest of parts but the best parts that I could possibly get and I, I got that idea from Nile Rogers and Sheik uh, there's a record called Good Times as you well know and um, lucky enough years ago I, I, I remixed it Wow! and uh, for, for a DMC it was just a, D, a DJ only thing listening to those parts was a learning curve for me because you realise there's not many parts in that but every part you know, like the roads, the yeah. bass, the guitar is just so well recorded yeah. and and so fat sounding, um, interesting parts, and they all just gel together. You don't need to dress it up with loads of other stuff. And that's what I tried to do. I mean, the weekend as well, um, every part was recorded. I then fed through my um, TLA um, M3 mixers, which... If people don't know what they are, they're they're basically valve yeah, inputs. <laughs> yeah. So, and I've still got them to this day. And oh, brilliant! Yeah, and everything's fed, so you get that extra warmth. So uh, I try to recreate it. So well, not recreate it. Try and create something that um, you know. All I wanted to do at the time was make a record that people might play in ten years' time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> thank God they are. <laughs> Which they are. Well, it's gone. It's gone past that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm very grateful, especially to, especially to radio. Um, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely huge on radio, and and very big across Europe on dance music channels as well. The video, I remember being um, particularly distinctive, you know, and and always cropping up. It was on heavy rotation, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Just just incredibly lucky. From you finishing it, did you start to shop it or have an idea of, of what you were going to do with it? Or did it kind of sit on the hard drives for a while? Or what was the kind of next move? When I finished it, I had a gig, I think that weekend, and I tested it out and uh, just slipped it in as, <laughs> so the rest of the records are playing, didn't make a thing of it, and then just gauged reaction and it was strong. Uh, I f- heard a few bits that I thought I could get a little bit better, so went back, tweaked it. I then sent it to my management, Eye Industries, and uh, yeah, and I'm uh, thinking they might take it to um, one of the labels, and they said, um, can you give us three days and <laughs> we'll come back to you? Uh, 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 we like it. Uh, and then they said... Um, we want to put it out ourselves. Wow. Uh, we want to turn Eye Industries into an actual record label. And they had back in from UMTV, which is Universal Music Television. Right. Because that, that, I kind of wanted to ask a bit about that because at the time to me, now correct me because I may have it totally wrong, 
as I remember, were you the first release on iIndustries or had there been a couple? I remember... No, first one. So you were iIndustries 001? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Because I remember, I was saying to you earlier, I remember picking up a white label which just had a little sticker, iIndustries, Michael Gray, The Weekend, And... I believe I went to Uptown in London and, and it was just flying out the shop, came back to where I am, Southampton in the UK, playing it out that weekend and everyone was like, what is this? <laughs> and obviously it just started to get legs. So it's... Yes. Yeah, so yeah. it went to I. I had a listen, gave you three days. Yep, we really like this. And then what, with Universal, there was a strategy put in place and how, how did it work from there? Uh, well, basically, the original version, which obviously the one you've got, um, is we just, all I'd recorded was a chorus. Yeah. It's just the chorus. I wanted to keep it really simple, no verses. Um, and as, as a good club record, which could possibly go a bit further, um, we I think they pressed up 3,000 white labels. Okay. I think it was 3,000. And then we stopped it as that. Um, and then in the meantime, uh, Pete Tong started playing it, in fact, championing it. So he was starting to play it every Friday. He played it the moment they sent it to him and they sent it on the Friday afternoon. And wow. all of a sudden I get a call saying, Pete Tong's starting the show with it. It's like, oh. So he was he was the first person to kind of yes. break it in inverted commas, if you like, yeah? Yeah, 100%, yeah. And then the phone went mental, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Things changed. Things changed. Uh, completely changed after that really I think you go from happy remixing other people's records and then you do something yourself and then it it takes on its own life it also changes you you become from being this underground sort of producer to more <laughs> commercial it has its good and its bad sides you know but obviously yeah are you happy to talk about those things or yeah 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 absolutely what what were the because a lot of uh, I know a lot of people that be listening want to have a big kind of crossover hit without necessarily thinking about what might be a negative thing on that. And, you know, if you're happy producing on the underground or however you're producing, what how that might change and, and the requests you might get and so on, you know, yeah. how, how did you find that? Um, I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think the only thing, one of the things I noticed was um, when it comes to DJ gigs, you don't get, you know, the underground fraternity and promoters don't see you as yeah. cool anymore. Uh, not cool, that's probably the wrong word, that's a bit strong. They don't see you on, maybe not quite suitable because you've crossed over, you've crossed over right. to the other side. Um, it's only now that people accept it and so unfortunately and the other problem you've got is that you're getting booked for gigs where they expect you to play that record because it's crossed over plus loads yeah. of records like it and as you know from a dj point of view the buzz about djing uh, for most of us is being able to go out and play new records which people don't get excited about yeah you don't want to go and play something that's just Exhausted, <laughs> and yeah, and you've heard it for the millionth time, and, <laughs> exactly. and so on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's all about testing all your new records and remixes out. That's what it's all about. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but the funny thing is, uh, to, to be quite honest, when that record, when the record came out, I had actually stopped DJing because I was concentrating on producing this band. Okay, uh, and then, uh, and then, obviously, this single. Then 
we had twins come along oh, wow. uh, on, on top of an 18 year old 18 month old son so it's crazy in the house and um you know i've done, done very minimal amount of gigs in london and that was it um i then had to sort of really get back into to doing it a year later and then you watch that sort of change but however i wouldn't swap it for the world wouldn't swap it for the world loved every minute i was going to say with with three kids as well that's uh, some impressive moves to to juggle parenthood and uh DJ DJ life as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is, and 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 it's not just that. It's the fact that I love being in the studio as well, five yeah. days a week. Yeah, so yeah. something has to give. You can't, yeah. you know. So when I did go back, I only cho- chose to DJ over the, every other weekend. It's just too too much. So yeah, yes. could have rinsed yeah. it a lot more with the DJing gigs and the money, but I chose not to. Yeah. I think it's good to get a balance between family life and and DJ life, right? It, it you know, it's good for your own kind of well-being. A hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. No, that that's that that's the thing. Um, and now uh, my kids are. Uh, well, one of them's old enough to come to my gigs now, anyway. So, awesome. <laughs> so and the other two are hopefully going to follow suit. So, every, uh, you know, works out well in the end. They get to see what you what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, how long was it between you making the weekend, uh, or sorry, rather, finishing the new version, giving it to I, the three thousand p playing it to to it being kind of a hit? Was it? quite quick that it happened i can't to be honest with you i can't remember what time of year your original white label came out so did it fall kind of with miami conference or abitha was there anything else that was a catalyst that helped just push it on right if i remember rightly i think i finished it about april it then was starting to be fed out to abitha um may something along those lines yeah and at the same time um, a request was made for, can we write some verses on this? Yeah. Um, and so we were getting on with that, um, trying to get the best best version in with the writers. Um, and um, we suddenly, a version came in from someone, not from someone, sorry, from Jim and Sal Irvin, who are brilliant writers. And it just completely blew me away because it was different. I didn't want... It was the way it was sung was differently. It had this slight different slant to it. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but it, it was just different from all the the others that came in. And um, but it obviously had the can't wait for the weekend sort of theme running through it. But the style it was done. So they they had uh, Sal had sung that in, and then we got Shenna in to to sing it. Um, she'd already sung the chorus, so we then it was a natural thing to get Shenna in to sing the verse as well. See how cool is that? Because he was teasing us with this instrumental, and he had you know the full vocal was always sat there waiting to go. It was always my perception of the record. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know what it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to hear the process. Um, through to then uh, Sheena being able to do the whole vocal and obviously having done the chorus. Yes. It was just like the perfect fit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she'd done a wonderful job, you know, and, uh, you know, Sheena's uh, great. Um, such a good singer and perfect person for that. So um, it worked out really well. You just kind of know when these these versions come. I remember just being so excited when I heard the demo coming. I thought, oh my God, that is it. That is exactly it, you know, because it's a, it's a lot of pressure then uh, at that time. Sure, yeah, I can imagine. You know, to, to, to come up with something, uh, to take it to the next level, i.e. radio. 
And yeah, so luckily it, it did work. I think then it was due for release, I think it was the first week of November, but it had to be put back for some reason. I think Radio 1 had B-listed it um, and it had to, we, we needed to get it to A-list before we wanted to release it. And luckily we did. Yeah. Uh, it then charted, it went straight in at seven and uh, the, top, the call for Top of the Pops came. So that was... <laughs> <laughs> Which I do remember you being on there. That was that must have been awesome, right? Yeah, I try and I try and forget it. Um, uh, only, really? Uh, only only no, in a jokey way. I mean, I love the day. It's just that uh, at the end they just put this great big uh, arrow up, going Michael Gray above me, which I think you know, oh, it just looks so <laughs> cheesy. I thought, why did they do that? You know, you're trying to be cool. Yeah, and uh, and uh, that happened. But uh, no, I loved every minute of it. And to be honest, I haven't looked. I haven't looked at that performance since. People say, oh, I've seen that, but I. I I can't look at it. Has has some nasty person stuck it on YouTube and, you know, is it there forever? Uh, <laughs> it probably is. I would have thought so. Everything gets on YouTube. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was really good. The hardest thing for us is that it had to be put back a week. But what happened? We then was up against the probably the biggest hitters at the time, which was Beyonce. Uh, Eminem and oh it was just unbelievable and it's like of all the weeks um, we were we were literally against the real big guns Um, and so I think that's why we ended up with seven Um, but however um, we went to number one in Poland and around the world it done very well so I'm happy I didn't even know it was number one in Poland Um, I didn't know until only about two years ago. Wow. I had no idea. I I remember thinking, I must have been in a bubble. I think it's been so tired from at the same time having having the three kids so young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone probably told me and I didn't realise. I remember thinking at the time when I started back DJing, and I think getting a lot of requests to play in Poland. Right. Um, But uh, (laughs) didn't realise it was number one. Had no idea. Was there not like a big gold disc that plopped on your front doorstep, which was like Poland number one or anything like that? Did that ever turn up? <laughs> no, don't remember getting that. Um, that's quite funny. I've yeah, I've got the I got the the disc for radio play. Um, um, I've got that up on my wall. And um, how well do you get on with your postman? Is it is he got it on his wall at home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he's whipped it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a, a brilliant time, a brilliant time. Yeah. So, how do you feel now, listening back to it? Are you as happy? A lot of people that you speak to go, "Oh, I'm not so sure about how it, you know, how I put it together back then and how it sounds." And other people are like really happy with their records. Say, "No, I still play it now. I love it." How how do you feel about the weekend? <laughs> Yeah, I'm still immensely proud of it, and I I do still play it every now and then. If if the promoter and say, look, could you play it? Or you know, a lot of people ask, or and I, I might play it at the end. The funny, the only thing I always think is um, back then it was quite acceptable to make house records at 127, 128 beats per minute. I think nothing yeah. off the tempo. I think that's quite normal. But now it sounds so fast. So um, I always play it slower um yeah 124 
probably is the most I'll play it. Yeah. And it actually sounds better. Uh, to me, it sounds better slower. I cringe if I'm in a club and a DJ plays it uh, or a, a party and someone goes, oh, he's here, we'll play it. And they go and play it at plus eight. <laughs> uh, you know, for people who don't know what plus eight means, it means it's, it's very fast. <laughs> and you're in you're in 130 territory there, aren't you, at plus uh, eight? Easily, uh, 132, easily. 133, and it starts to sound like wow. a trance record. And I'm... Yeah, yeah. I'm cringing. Um, I think, you know, oh, this is not how I made it. This is not how I made it. You know, so yeah, <laughs> so far from and that. They, and they think they're they're saying, "Oh, he's here. We better we better play it." <laughs> yeah, I thought, it's only they. I don't mind playing it the, the the right speed or slower, but when it goes much yeah. faster, it just to me it just makes me cringe because the groove goes. Yeah, and that's the biggest. Yeah, you've lost you've lost the purpose of what you were trying to do there. Exactly. Surely. Exactly. It's got to groove. So the question I've forgotten to ask, which is on my list, and I know a lot of people who listen will will want to know, is what kind of kit, if anything, any go-to studio kit that you were using at the time, or you've already said uh, certain types of kit, but what you were using at the time and the stuff you still go to now, because I know a lot of people will still follow your sound today with all the projects you do. Um, the kind of tips, if you will, production tips, yeah. kit, all that kind of well, stuff. Are you happy to share yeah, that? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, the, I've got to try and remember this now because you put me on the spot, but I think... Oh dear, sorry. That's all right. The, the bass was the trilogy, uh, was a trilogy. The pad that you hear, I think, is a JV1080. I think it's the JV1080. Could be wrong, though. Nice. Um, uh, what else we got? The synth is a Moog 5. The Moog V, as, as uh, most people yeah. know. Um, what have I missed out? Am I missing out some other bits and pieces? There must be. What am I missing? Oh, the Rhodes. That was the JV1080 as well. Cool. So about the JV1080, a super classic bit of kit, and even today, very, very um, competitive on eBay. You can pick them up really cheap these days just as well because if I have to recreate it I might have to buy it so I've got the parts obviously still somewhere. really I have, not got the JV got anymore no that went I've kept a few things wow um but um, uh, alas, not that one, mm. uh, even though I love it. Um, I, pr- I don't think there's any other bits and pieces that I can think of it. The pad strings, yeah, I, ju- I just kept it simple. I suddenly think of something in about half an hour's time, thinking I've missed something really fundamental. I think that'll be amazing. I think, you know, <laughs> there's lots of established, upcoming producers that will be really interested to have a, a quick insight into sort of what kit you use. I didn't realise it was a JV1080 in there, and then I think that's I think that's awesome. It sounds it sounds great. Oh right, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that's that was again, you know, all this stuff I fed through these uh these valve EQs. Yeah. Which gave that warm sound, right? I exactly. know you were saying earlier about the kind of French thing, and I think that's why the record popped to me at the time is, you know, Daft Punk, Crider, Roulet, all those kind of labels. There was a big French sound going on and, and the weekend totally, you know, worked into those DJ sets and Yeah, I mean I love all those sort of tunes. I was, I was very influenced by French sound. Yeah. So um I think that all helped, right? Because it just added the real warmth that you can hear on the record. Yeah, I'd like to th- I'd like to think so. Um next month I have been asked by Future Music to uh, show show how I did it. So they're coming oh, really? to film me. Yeah, no way. Um, which is going to make me think mm, that's the one I'm probably going to do. They've let me choose. I'm doing two: one of today and one of um, you know back then. So that 
might possibly be the one I'm going to go for. Um, How but cool I'm now, would that be? The only thing is, I've got to find. I've got to just. You need a JV super quick. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might just. <laughs> I've, I've definitely got the parts. I've just got have a, have a look on eBay. They're about a hundred quid. <laughs> yeah, I might have if to you're do really that. lucky, you can get all the expansion cards as well. Well, that's what I had. I had ah, oh, now that you just reminded me, I had the seventies and eighties card expansion oh, wow. card, and that had all those. In fact, all those road sort of sounds um, we used to use on oh, a lot of the full intention stuff. Um, okay. You know, we we used a lot. That was in that was a staple diet, to be honest, when we were yeah. doing all the the disco uh, things. That was a brilliant card to have. Yeah, I shouldn't have sold that. Never mind. Yeah, there you go, guys. You've got an insight into into the full intention sound. Right. So all I can say is. Thank you so much for for an insight into the weekend. Oh, you're welcome. It's amazing to hear, you know, how it happened and and how you went about it. Um, obviously, you are still super busy as one half of Full Intention. Um, what else is happening this year? Are, you, are there any other projects? Are you producing bands still, or what's happening? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads of stuff that's, um, you know, I still work in uh, with John with the Full Intention stuff, and then I'm doing um, some solo things as well. Um, as Michael Gray, or? As Michael Gray, yeah. Brilliant. I just remixed um, Sylvester's You Make Me Feel. We've oh, wow. managed to clear that and license it. It's going to come on my Sultra label um wow. in april um so that's i'm looking forward to that that's that's had a, a good reaction i've just sent a few copies out just to gauge it yeah and then um and a, a remix of an old early 80s track uh, take me to top by advance and that's coming out the label Wicked. a new single i've just signed to uh midnight riot okay 24 cool. 7 so <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite a few happening. bits and pieces yeah, yeah, and I've also been producing uh, a new singer called Roro as well, which is slightly different, a little, a little bit more different. So I'll be my name won't really be on there as other than the producer, but um, and she's brilliant. She's a brilliant singer. So I've been working with her too. So um, see, see how it all pans out. But it's yeah, it's it's all it's all good. And if people want to find you on the internet, if for whatever reason they haven't found you before, how how do they find you? Where 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 are you at? Um, yeah, on Facebook is Michael Gray Official, and uh, Instagram is Michael Gray UK. Awesome. Well, Michael Gray, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this episode. Uh, oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. And uh, look forward to seeing you soon, my man. Yeah, will do definitely. And uh, send me some, um, send me that new track of yours. <laughs> I will. I will. As, as soon as we. Uh, finish this I'll, I'll ping it over my man alright take care see ya Secrets of a Dance Hit with Ridney a huge thank you there to Michael Gray for joining me on episode one of Secrets of a Dance Hit don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to the show and if you can leave a review and let us know what you think if you'd like to suggest a question for a future episode or even a guest you can drop me an email paul at ridney.com and I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. In the meantime, Secrets of a Dance Hit has been presented by myself, Ridney, and produced by Carl Hannigan. Until the next show, see ya. Secrets of a Dance Hit.